Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is April the 29th, 2022, uh, and it's great to join you. Uh, I always like to say happy Friday, but uh, it's hard to be happy about the lunacy that we are confronting on so many levels created for the most part by our very own government uh, that um, President Lincoln said was supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I suspect that our government is very much indeed a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's just that it's not a government for the American people. Perhaps it's for the lobbyists, for the bribers, um, but certainly uh, Americans are, are getting beat up badly by the people that we elected to represent us. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I could probably do a five-hour program today and still not exhaust all of the potential topics but we're just going to do the usual one hour, so let's get started. First of all, the border crisis. Uh, it breaks my heart. I was an INS agent for 30 years. I've testified before all those congressional hearings. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear about the nexus between border security and national security. I, I mean, consider that. The 9-11 Commission... Um, actually wrote several reports in addition to the 9-11 Commission report. One of them was written by the 9-11 Commission staff, and it was entitled 9-11 and Terrorist Travel. And this report was prepared by the attorneys and federal agents who were assigned to the 9-11 Commission. It's an official report. It's not some tabloid, tabloid news article. It was actually published by the government printing office. So make no mistake, this is an official report. And the preface of that report begins by stating it is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons that we discuss in the following pages that it must be made one. Uh, my, my first thought in reading that to you is who the hell have been running out federal agencies that you don't understand that your border is your first and last line of defense. I mean, if you can't figure that out, then you shouldn't even be a dog catcher for a local county. Border security is national security. The goal of our armed forces, all branches, shared goal, keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. Whether it's making certain that bombers don't overfly our nation, the ships don't get too close to the coastline, um, or, or any other way, this is about protecting the homeland by keeping those who would kill us away from us. Common sense, you would think. The security of your home begins at the fence, and it goes right to your front door. You have a locked front door. You look through the peephole. 
Strangers are expected to knock on the door, ring the bell, do something to let you know they're there. And only when you decide to let them in may they come in. Otherwise, they're committing the crime of breaking and entering. What trespass? You would think border security would be common sense. We've never really had border security in this country. When Donald Trump tried to give us border security, he was attacked. Neither party wanted to give him the border wall. Think about that. The Republicans controlled both houses for the first two years of the Trump administration. They would not give him the funding to construct the border wall. And I've said it before, but I'm compelled to make the point once again, the border wall was not designed to keep a single person out of the United States of America. Period. Full stop. No qualification. The purpose for the border wall was to funnel all people and all commerce through a port of entry so they could be vetted, so we could make certain we weren't letting criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous diseases into the country, and to make certain that drugs and weapons and other contraband weren't flowing into the United States. Very simple. The border wall was not supposed to block ports of entry. When you go to the baseball park or the football stadium, you go through a gate where you pay for a ticket, perhaps, maybe go through a metal detector or some guy with a magnetometer screens you to make sure you don't have a weapon in this wacky era, and then you're allowed to take your seat in an orderly fashion. That's what ports of entry are supposed to do. When you go to the airport, you go through a cattle run to the next available TSA agent, so they check your ID to make sure you're not on a no-fly list, and then they search you to make certain you're not bringing a weapon onto the airplane. Very simple. No rational person would get on an airplane if they saw people getting on their plane who snuck past the TSA people, okay? There's nothing anti-passenger about making them go through the cattle run to the screener. When you go to the bank, you go through a, a line generally guided by a velvet rope to the next available teller. Yet to ask members of Congress to give the government a border wall to prevent uninspected entry of people who might well be terrorists or criminals or otherwise pose a threat to our well-being or permit narcotics or weapons to flow into the country. To try to stop that from happening, neither party wanted to do it. And it took Donald Trump fighting and fighting and fighting. It was exhausting watching what went on. And he finally got the courts to agree that he could use military funding to build the border wall, which makes sense because, again, the immigration laws are the follow-on to what the military does, keep our enemies as far away as possible. So both parties got us into this mess. Let's be real clear. George W. Bush, and I keep making this point, created DHS in a way that violated the Homeland Security Act. They were never supposed to divide immigration in half. Customs and border protection, uh-uh. It was, and, and then ICE, right, immigration and customs enforcement. No, it was supposed to be immigration enforcement. The Bureau of Immigration Enforcement was what they came up with. Very simple. And that was what they were going to do. And what did they do? Bush cut it in half, folded in other agencies, and it was the Republicans who went nuts to their credit. Every time Bush did something stupid, which was almost any day with a Y in it, my phone would ring and they'd say, guess what? And I would say, what did the president do now? Well, we just gave him enough money for 800 new ICE agents and 2,000 Border Patrol agents, and he cut it down. Instead of 800 ICE agents, he's only willing to hire 143. Instead of 2,000 Border Patrol agents, he's only willing to hire 210. That was one of the hearings. Took my breath away. 800 was ridiculously low. But that was too much for Bush. He wanted 143. And I thought, it can't get worse. And then comes Obama, and Obama gave us the unaccompanied minors, and he gave us DACA, 
and he gave us a guy by the name of Alejandro Mayorkas, Mallorca, who went on to become the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency that provides immigration benefits, including U.S. citizenship, to aliens in the United States. And Mayorkas was investigated by the Office of Inspector General because of so many complaints that they received by the people who work for Mallorca saying he's making illegal orders, giving us illegal orders and threatening us and telling us we have to approve applications for visas that we shouldn't approve. They did the investigation. They actually found that Mayorkas approved applications for EB-5. Those are the treaty investor visas for a company that has a potential tie to Iranian terrorists, and he was warned about it by both the FBI and Homeland Security Investigations, and they said, do not approve these petitions. And he went ahead and approved them anyway. How he wasn't impeached on the spot, how he wasn't uh, perhaps prosecuted is beyond me. He was also supposedly linked to Terry McAuliffe of Clinton notoriety, Again, approving visas that should not have been approved. There were conflicts of interest. He politicized the process. He undermined national security. And I wrote an article when his name floated when Biden was elected. And what was floated was that he might be the head of Homeland Security. And I thought, oh, my God, this guy who did such damage at Citizenship and Immigration Services may well now become the head of Homeland Security. Well, guess what? He is. He is. And he has made it clear, he's, and I've written about this in both Front Page Magazine and U.S. Inc., usincorporated.org, that if someone lies on their application for U.S. citizenship, they will take no action whatsoever. They will make certain that they do not strip the alien of lawful status, even though they could and should. The law requires it. It's not optional. Even though you could be prosecuted and go to jail for many years if you lie on an application for citizenship, and Mallorca said, if you lie, we don't care. Unless you're a war criminal, then maybe we'll take a good look. Otherwise, say whatever you need to say. Get that citizenship because we want you to be an American, and then we will put the full weight of the government to protect fraudsters. Immigration fraud was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. When our guys raided the bin Laden compound, they found a copy of the 9-11 Commission report had an application for United States citizenship. We've had a string of terrorists who operated in the United States who had become U.S. citizens before they carried out their attacks because their handlers overseas told them, make sure to get citizenship first, and then you have two passports. You travel around the world alternating which passport you use. You can cover your tracks, and it's a great embedding tactic. And what did Mallorca say? The head of Homeland Security. If you lie, we will shield you from any consequences. However... If they don't like what you have to say, according to what he said yesterday at a hearing, um, there is now a new bureau at DHS that is looking to prevent the dissemination of what they claim is false information, misleading information. I don't know what they plan to do. Will there be criminal prosecutions? Will they cancel your passport? I mean, I don't know what they're planning to do. And who is the arbiter to decide what's truthful and what isn't? And what we're hearing out of the administration is, oh, my God, Look at Musk. Look at all these people. They want total freedom of speech. No fact-checking. When did we start with fact-checking other than when we started with this nonsense with social media? If people said stupid things, as Americans, we're supposed to be smart enough to do our homework. You know, what do they say? If it looks too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. You know, uh, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Well, not just when you buy products or services, but if you're going to buy a news report, make sure that you check it out. 
Is it reasonable? Does it make sense? You should have the right to challenge everything that's in the news. You don't believe climate change? Great. Do your own research. I have issues with climate change. That's for another day. What are they going to do now? Prosecute you because you say, I don't think that climate change is primarily caused by carbon dioxide. Maybe the sun, which is a variable star, gets warmer. The sun drives climate. The sun drives weather. The sun drives everything. And there's other factors involved. So it's reasonable to ask, could there be other factors? No, 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 you can't ask because the ministry of truth that they now are initiating might come for you. That's not what's in the First Amendment. The First Amendment says you are freedom of speech, freedom of expression. And the courts have ruled that the only thing you're not allowed to do is yell fire in a crowded theater or the equivalent if there's no fire. Because you could be inciting a riot. You could be inciting panic. I get that. But a simple question, challenging what we're being told. We don't like critical race theory. And, they, and, and the administration said that that makes you a domestic terrorist. You have schools that don't want to allow parents to see the curriculum. They're teaching their own children. This is not how America operates. This is as un-American as it gets. The Democrat Party ought to call itself the undemocratic party. But this has been a long time coming. The Orwellian use of language, the misleading um, narratives that have been created. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And so you have Alejandro Mayorkas testifying about the border crisis. And by the way, if you remember, for the longest time, they didn't want to call it a crisis, and they still don't think it's a crisis. I'm going to tell you why. This is exactly what I believe Joe Biden wants when he's semi-conscious. His handlers, whoever the hell they are, that's what they want. There is no reason to flood America the way we are. And the, de- and the Democrats immediately jump up, and if you dare suggest that we limit who comes in, you're xenophobic. You're a hater, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a white supremacist, God knows what you are. There's such a thing as too many people. There's a water shortage, a serious drought in the West. We have energy concerns in the United States. We have inflation through the roof. We have a problem educating our children who lost enough time because of COVID. So now we're going to bring in millions of more immigrants. And by the way, you even have Republicans who want to legalize all the illegals. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again before we talk about the hearing. If we legalize, let's say, 25 million illegal aliens, and that's a very optimistic number. I think it's going to be higher they could immediately bring in every single one of their minor children and their spouses. So let's say if on average each illegal alien who gets lawful status has four kids back home, do the math. Four times 25 million is 100 million. And I wrote a piece about it, and and, and some guy wrote in in the comments section, oh, this guy Cutler is crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't have that many people in Latin America. No, he's right. We don't have that many people in Latin America. But the aliens who have been flowing across our border come from the entire world. They come from Europe and Asia and Africa and the Caribbean. You name it, they're coming from there. Maybe, you know, Antarctica, not on the list. Other than that, we have aliens from everywhere. Over 100 countries are represented. And I promise you, there's at least 25 million who would bring in 100 million kids, uh, given the opportunity. And the Congressional Budget Office back in 2006 said that it costs 20 to 40% more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. Where does the money come from? We're dealing with an impending war or an ongoing war, if you will, between Russia and Ukraine. 
We're dealing with rampant inflation. We're dealing with a contracting economy. Just Numbers just came out. Do you not think that adding millions of consumers doesn't have an inflationary impact? If you're worried about the environment, realize that every person who comes here has a carbon footprint, an environmental footprint. Everybody who comes here requires more than a pillow to sleep on. They all need water. They all need electricity and sewerage and housing. They need infrastructure, transportation, access to health care. If they have children, education. What does that do to the environment? That's why I said that if there's a massive immigration bill, the first thing that should be done is they need to commission an environmental impact study. But we never hear that. So you even have Republicans say, well, it's only reasonable that we legalize these people. And I'm going to tell you how stupid it is momentarily. But first, I want to get to an exchange between Jim Jordan yesterday at the House Judiciary Committee, and I've testified before the House Judiciary Committee on a number of occasions in the past. And so here's how Fox News uh, depicted the hearing. Republican Jim Jordan, and Jim Jordan, by the way, ranking member of the judiciary, uh, the ranking member, for those of you who doesn't, don't understand how Washington works, the party in power today is the Democrat Party. The party out of power is the Republicans. The party in power provides the chairperson, chairman, chairwoman, chairperson. They run the committee. If you're not in power, you don't run anything, so they call you the ranking member. In other words, you're the highest on your side of the aisle, but you have no clout because your party does not have power. You do not have the gavel. You're not the chairman. The representative from the other side of the aisle is the chairman. So Jordan is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. If the Republicans were in power and Jordan had the position he has now, he would become chairman of the subcommittee, of the Judiciary Committee, okay? So now that we clear that up, I hope it provides a little clarity in case you're murky on how things work. Here's what Fox had to say. Republican Representative Jim Jordan was cut off and left seemingly stunned while grilling Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on whether 42 illegal immigrants on the terror watch list have been released into the United States. Quote, 42 illegal immigrants were encountered at our border and on the terrorist and no-fly list. Are any of them still in our country? House Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Jordan asked Mayorkas Thursday during a Capitol hearing. Jordan was then informed that his time had expired, but the Ohio Republicans continued pressing Mayorkas to respond. This is an important question for the committee, Jordan continued. Here's the quote. Congressman, I will deliver to you a response with respect, Mayorkas said, while Jordan kept pressing him. Mayorkas added that some of them may still be in detention. Some of them still be in detention. Who was released? How many were released? Why were they released? Because I presume if they're not in detention and they weren't removed, they're here. Where? And a couple of weeks ago, I remember one story. I don't have the name in front of me, but a guy that was on a terror watch list, part of an organization that has as its goal the destruction of the United States, was released on an ankle bracelet. Why? Because he is obese and might catch COVID if they released him or put him into, rather, if they didn't release him, put him into a jail. So to make certain that a terrorist who wants to kill us does not contract COVID, 
they released him. Someone should have made the point that, well, maybe the guy wants to blow himself up, so instead of dying of COVID, maybe they're going to make it possible for him to die from an explosion and take other people with him. What parallel universe are we in when we are told that a known terrorist has been released into the United States because the administration is concerned that he might contract COVID? Pinch me. I'm having a nightmare, okay? This makes no sense. The administration has been moving hundreds of thousands. By now, it's probably a couple of million aliens around the United States in a shell game. They entered illegally. They did not have visas. They're applying for asylum. If you look at the 9-11 Commission report, they talked about how claims for asylum were a method of entry for the terrorists. Think about that. Um, let, let me read this to you. This is again from that same report, the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. In fact, the very first time I testified before Congress was four and a half years before 9-11. It was May 20th, 1997, and the topic of the hearing was immigration fraud and visa fraud because of the 93 attacks in the United States, the bombing at the Trade Center, and the shooting at the CIA by foreign nationals from the Middle East. We know that immigration fraud is the issue, and here you hear it from the commission. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. He was here illegally. So you have two illegal aliens, one renting the truck, another one driving the truck with the bomb that was set off in the garage of the World Trade Center. A thousand plus people were injured. Six people were killed. They inflicted a half billion in damages on the World Trade Center complex, almost brought the tower down sideways. And their goal, they had said, was to kill 250,000 people. So now we're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens while they put up barriers against truck bombs and car bombs. We have no idea who's driving the vehicles. And this is being done not only by the federal government, but by state governments, New York State, um, Illinois, California, New Jersey, giving driver's licenses to people who can't prove who the hell they are. The all-clear for terrorism has not sounded. And in fact, the administration thinks that the real threat of terrorism doesn't come from overseas, but from white supremacists. What parallel universe are we living in? What parallel universe? Look what happened with the Taliban. They are reconstituted. This administration armed the Taliban and, as a consequence, armed all these other Middle Eastern terrorist groups when we turned tail and ran like crazy out of Afghanistan and left behind tens of billions of dollars of first-rate American military hardware. And they released over 5,000 terrorists in Afghanistan that were being held. No plan, no nothing, just release them and, and leave behind all that military hardware. 
But the threat we face is from white supremacists. Look, anybody who's a supremacist, whether you're a black supremacist, a white supremacist, or a green supremacist, or a polka dot supremacist, if you believe that your grievances need to be addressed by violence, you need to be in jail, you're a threat to our safety. No argument for me. But that's not what we're hearing. White supremacists, white people, that's who we're going to focus on. Can't forget that the administration attempted to bail out farmers of color with loans, but tried to keep white Americans off the list till the court said you can't do that. Since when did the government of the United States turn on its own citizens that way and demonstrate a level of racism that takes my breath away? It's outrageous beyond words. And now we're going to have a ministry of truth that is going to say what? Cutler, you didn't get it right, so you violated the law. What law? We don't need a law. We'll have probably an executive action. God only knows. My family was decimated in the Holocaust. I was named for my mother's mother who died in Poland. I worry about government overreach when one segment of society is scapegoated and vilified. It was the Jews during the Holocaust and the gypsies and others. And this notion that we're going to go after white supremacists and ignore anybody from any other race or whatever uh, gives me an anxiety attack. This is not what America is supposed to be about. It's not what our government should be doing. We should be colorblind and, and blind to everything but the actions of individuals. That's why Lady Justice wears a blindfold. You don't have justice when people are being prosecuted differently based on factors that they have no control over. That's not justice, and that's not equality. I'm a fan of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Didn't mean I always agreed with her. But she said something interesting. She said that the mascot of the United States should not be the bald eagle but a pendulum because if things get too far to one side, that pendulum is coming back to get you. I hope the pendulum starts to come back, but I hope it doesn't go to too great an extreme because there's a lot of very upset people out there because they understand what has been done to this country by politicians who don't give a rat's tail about America or Americans. They've been bought and paid for by politicians. And let's understand, as much as people hate lobbyists, guess who the lobbyists' employees are? You guessed it, politicians who take the money from the lobbyists, because that is an employer-employee relationship. We're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble. We're being led by a president who can't hold that position in my judgment, I don't think. I'm not a doctor, but certainly I worry. It seems as though he can't hold a conversation. You have a border person, Kamala Harris, who hasn't been down to the border, or she has been. She certainly didn't want to go to the hot spots, but this isn't just about the border. What happens on the border does not stay on the border, and no one's even considering who's coming across the northern border, who might be coming into the United States across our 95,000 miles of coastline, who's coming in at international airports, perhaps under the visa waiver program, by the way, given to us by Ronald Reagan. I'm not being political here, folks. I'm just being American. And then disappearing into the woods. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor. And we have had hundreds of thousands, if not more, aliens who are gotaways. And now when we hear about these 42 aliens that were on the terror watch list, you need to know that not every terrorist is on a watch list. Those are the ones we know about. Sleeper agents show up nowhere. That's why they're sleepers. 
They might have false identities. Whatever they've done, they've covered their tracks. We have no idea who they are, and they are not among the 42 on that terror watch list. But you have the head of Homeland Security not even able to tell you what happened to 42 known terrorists that came in or attempted to come into the United States. How secure does that make us? What am I asking for? Reasonableness? I've arrested terrorists in my career. The administration has done everything it seems it could do to encourage, aid, abet, induce people to come here illegally and then transport them around the United States. And if you go to Title VIII, United States Code Section 1324, you will see that this is a felony, aiding and embedding, encouraging, inducing, harboring, shielding. Guess what? It's a felony. If you or I did it, I promise you there would be a knock on your door and you'd find yourself in jail. The administration is doing it on a scale that we've never seen before, and this effort is being headed up by Mayorkas, who could not give a straight answer as to how many of 42 terrorists remain in custody. What would happen if, God forbid, tomorrow there's an explosion? What would happen if tomorrow 10,000 people suddenly died? I would argue they don't care. They certainly don't seem to care that last year over 100,000 died of drug overdoses, and most of those drugs flowed across that border that this administration refuses to secure. But what's so ironic about all of this, and I just wrote an article for uh, usinc.org, and, and here's the title, U.S. extradites former Honduran president for drug smuggling while the borders are wide open. You have to wonder, why are they prosecuting him? Because it seems, maybe I'm getting this wrong, I'm only asking a question, not making an accusation, but it seems that this administration doesn't really care about narcotics flowing into the United States, because if it did, it wouldn't be doing what it's doing. Actions speak louder than words. So what caught my eye was an NBC News report last week. I wrote my article on April 25th, by the way. And here's what it starts out by saying. Juan Orlando Hernandez, who was the president of Honduras for eight years, was extradited to New York on Thursday, that was Thursday of last week, faces charges of engineering a massive effort to flood the United States with cocaine. The rare extradition of a former head of state followed Hernandez's arrest in February at his home in Tegucigalpa for less than, uh, less than a month after he stepped down from office. The Justice Department accused him of participating in a violent drug trafficking operation that shipped 500 tons of cocaine from Venezuela and Colombia to the United States through Honduras. Quote, we allege that Hernandez corrupted legitimate public institutions in the country, including parts of the National Police, Military, and National Congress Attorney General Merrick Garland said on Thursday, quote, and we allege that Hernandez worked closely with other public officials to protect cocaine shipments bound for the United States because of these alleged crimes communities in the United States suffered and the people of Honduras suffered. Wow. The Border Patrol has become part of a human trafficking operation in the United States. If that isn't the corruption of the Border Patrol here in this country, then I want someone to explain the word corruption to me. What do you think of that? The article went on and said, the charges also say that he received millions of dollars for shielding drug traffickers from arrest and facilitating their shipment. Hernandez, 53, took bribes in some of the world's most notorious drug traffickers, including $1 million from Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, 
the former head of the Sinaloa cartel, to protect his operations in Honduras, said Damian Williams, the U.S. attorney in Manhattan, where Hernandez will be prosecuted. Now think about that. Think about that. And if you read the press release from the attorney general, from Garland, and I I wrote about this, it's going to be published Monday on Front Page Magazine, a little more detail. He said, we'll go anywhere. If you do anything, we're going to come for you. Why don't you go down to the border, Attorney General, if if you're willing to go anywhere? Why don't you go across the country and explain why you don't want to enforce immigration laws? The Attorney General said that they were going to go after human traffickers because that's a problem, people being exploited. And he drew a distinction between alien smuggling and human trafficking, and he's really worked up about human trafficking. Alien smuggling means that the alien might well be part of the conspiracy. You know, here's 10 grand, get me to New York. So all violate the same sorts of laws, and these are immigration laws. And if you looked at the press releases, there's not a word by the attorney general about homeland security being involved in any investigation of either alien smuggling or human trafficking, but it's going to be the FBI. God forbid immigration agents should do their job. You know, this isn't conjecture for me. I spent half my 30-year career working on narcotics investigations. Around 1988, I became the first immigration agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA in New York City, the Drug Enforcement Administration. I had access to every investigation ongoing in New York and the major investigations being conducted throughout the world by DEA. I participated in arrests and surveillance and prosecutions and in the interrogation of witnesses, the gathering of evidence, and immigration laws provide us with unique opportunities to really drop a hammer on criminal organizations that emanate from overseas, transnational gangs, terrorist groups, and so forth. An alien who's deported comes back is looking at 20 years in jail. You could put that case together in an afternoon. What I'm proud of is I worked with Senator Al D'Amato back in the early 80s to create that law because up until then, reentry was only a two-year felony. Now criminal aliens face up to 20 years in jail, and under the Trump administration, it was the most frequently prosecuted felony that was pursued by the entire Department of Justice. Now we're being told, oh, if you were deported and you come back, not a big deal. Not a big deal? Really? It could be a 20-year jail sentence if you took the law seriously and enforced in the way you're supposed to. According to Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and guaranteed protection against invasion and domestic violence. If this isn't an invasion, I want someone to get me a new dictionary. And what are we doing? And what is Mayorkas doing? So the irony is, our borders are wide open. Our cities are, are aiding, abetting, encouraging, inducing, shielding, harboring illegal aliens and the criminals among them. And then you add to that bail reform, criminal justice reform, turnstile justice. You commit an armed robbery. You beat someone over the head, and you back out on the street in three hours. This notion of catch and release began with immigration, and not just on the Mexican border, because that's what we kept hearing about it. As an immigration agent in New York, we saw it all the time. We'd be out there making arrests, and they'd make an announcement on, on, the, on the radio network for the office. We have room in the immigration lockup for 15 men and five women, 23 men and two women, whatever it was. Well, if a bunch of agents went out and made arrests, then you come in, and there we are with 150 illegal aliens in custody, and then you stand there in front of your boss trying to tell your boss why you should get one of those, you know, 16 slots, because we certainly didn't have the capacity. That's catch and release. 
And sometimes I felt it was worse to catch somebody when you release them. Now they will no longer be fearful of arrest. Is that the message that we want for people from around the world? Come to America, violate the law, and we can't wait to reward you for it. Both parties. Well, of course we've got to give them legal status. We can't arrest them all. I get that question all the time. Well, Mr. Cutler, if you can't arrest them all, what do you do with the ones you, you, you can't arrest? And I always joke about it, and they say, well, you know, I'm a Jew, and Jews answer questions with another question. So I'll ask you a question. What do the cops do with drunk drivers they can't arrest? They don't find. You arrest as many law violators as you can, and you make certain that they are punished to the full extent of the law, and you publicize it. You don't take drunk drivers and give them a bottle of booze. You don't take drunk drivers and give them a reward. Oh, look at that. You're drunk. Let me give you some, some, something else to drink. I'll, we'll take you to dinner, right? No. If you're drunk and you're driving, you go to jail. We take your license. We take your car. We fine you. There's consequences. Crazy argument. And now we're hearing, well, if they would secure the border, then we can give legal status to $25 million. And, again, it's probably going to be $100 million, which would destroy us. Not because of xenophobia. I don't care if, they, if they're all white Europeans. We don't have the capacity. Well, we can't screen them. We can't interview them. We can't do field investigations. This is insanity. But the bigger issue is that citizenship and immigration services is already overwhelmed. That's the agency that would have to adjudicate the application. This is Lucy at the bonbon factory on steroids. So the adjudicator who's now handling 10 cases a day will have to do 40 cases a day, or God knows how many. Or they'll hire people off the street, and then you have a problem with corruption. The guy that was flipping hamburgers last Thursday will now be approving applications for immigration benefits. What are we doing? Where is the benefit in this for the average American? That's the question. Steve Ducey and and the few reporters who have the integrity – to question the, 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 the joker at the White House, Jen Psaki, you know, she's smug and always twists the question sideways so you never get a straight answer. You know, why are you moving these people in the middle of the night? Well, it's not the middle of the night. It's actually early in the morning. So now we're having an argument about the time zone. Question that she needs to be asked. Look, I was going to do debate at the college level. I used to argue bail to the U.S. attorneys. Um, it's the art of the question. And there are checkmate questions which, when asked and asked properly, leave no wiggle room for your opponent. And she is the opponent. Okay? Be clear. She's the opponent to what most Americans want because the administration has become. And that's what the question should reflect. Simple question. How are the policies of the Biden administration leaving our borders wide open where Over 100,000 people died of drug overdoses last year. And gang members have flowed easily into America. And by the way, you look at all the violence in America, a dirty little secret no one wants to talk about is how many of these people are aliens committing these violent crimes who came here illegally because they were let in by the Biden administration. When I was assigned to DEA intelligence, I commissioned a study as to who we were arresting at DEA, and I was stunned. And this was from around 1989 well into the 90s, in New York City, over 60%, 60% of the people we're arresting at DEA were foreign-born, nationally 30%. Believe me, they don't constitute 60% of society in the United States, even now, still. 
they're getting there, but we're still not at 60%. I don't know what the numbers are now, but I doubt they'd be much different, maybe worse. So the question for Jinsaki is how are your policies good news for the average American family? Period, full stop. Don't give a wiggle room. How is this good for the average American? Why should Americans be elated that our borders are being overwhelmed, that drugs are flowing freely into our country, gang members flowing freely? And by the way, the most likely victims of transnational gangs are the immigrants who live in those communities. And it's not just Latin America, because this isn't a race issue. I know that the Democrats are a bunch of racists. Most of them are, apparently. Terrible what's happened to that party. It used to be the party of, of the workers. Now it's the party of the wokers. Gosh, it takes my breath away. But understand the issue. Bad guys will live in the communities that they're most comfortable in, which means they will go to the immigrant communities that most closely resemble who they are, whether it's Asian organized crime, whether it's the Jamaican drug posses, whether it's you know, MS-13, whether it's the Italian mob, the Israeli mob, whoever. They will move into that ethnic immigrant community, and it's those immigrants who suffer. But we're told, oh, you want to enforce the laws, Mr. Cutler. You're anti-immigrant. No, I'm not. I'm anti-criminal. The difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is simple. It's the difference between a house guest and a burglar. But again, this is Orwellian language. Everyone's an immigrant. By that standard, people that rob banks really aren't robbing banks. They're making undocumented withdrawals. By their standard, when people break into a store and steal stuff, they are not looting and they're not guilty of theft. They're simply making cashless purchases. Think about that. People that are drunk and driving are not drunk drivers because that sounds lousy. They are simply sobriety-challenged motorists. You see, this is the Orwellian game being played on us. It's time for us to all wake up. These fake arguments have to stop. The issue about giving lawful status to illegal aliens who snuck into the country isn't whether or not we've secured the border. If you think it's a good idea, and I think it's a bad idea for all the reasons I've described and then some, and I'm going to write about this so you can share it with friends and neighbors. Please, I hope you do. But the bigger issue is the mechanism in place to adjudicate the applications where there will be no fraud. Because I've just explained to you in that quote from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel how immigration fraud threatens national security. You know, the 9-11 Commission report actually made a point, and DHS has it on the website, to a terrorist, an identity document or a travel document is a weapon is a weapon. And you've got the head of Homeland Security saying, if you lie on these applications, you have nothing to fear. But DHS recognizes that people who are terrorists and are able to get travel documents or identity documents use them the same as a weapon. Connect is beyond stunning. It's beyond belief. If the government can't provide for our safety and security, then nothing it does is worthwhile. If a parent buys his or her children, you know, $300 sneakers and sports cars and and expensive clothing and then beats them and whips them, those kids are going to be taken from them. I mean, you know, they're not going to get sports cars if they're that old, but you understand the point. If you have a child, 
even if you're spending a ton of money on them and doing all sorts of other stuff, if you're endangering their safety, you will hopefully lose custody of those children because the first responsibility that a parent has is to ensure the safety and well-being of the child. The first responsibility government has for its citizens is to ensure the safety and security of its own citizens. That's why we have an armed forces. Many countries refer to their armed forces as self-defense, the Japanese self-defense forces. The Israelis do the same thing, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Our military is under the Defense Department. Why is it under the Defense Department? Not under the Aggression Department, but the Defense, because they're there to defend us, to protect us. How in the world are you protecting us if you're permitting hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals, including criminals and potentially terrorists, to flow into the country? How are you living up to your responsibility to defend us? Simple question. A question that you should ask your friends and neighbors. This isn't political. I'm a registered Democrat. The problem is the Democrats are no longer Democrats, and I'm not sure what the Republicans have morphed into, but my goodness gracious. We as Americans need to hold politicians accountable, and I don't care if these politicians are from the Hopping Kangaroo Party. We need to go to town hall meetings, and we need to make it abundantly clear that we're not the blithering idiots that they were taking us for. And when I hear about a parent who wants to see the curriculum being used to teach her child, and she's told you can't have it, as far as I'm concerned, any parent on any day should be able to walk into a school where their children are in attendance, sit down in the back of the room, and observe what goes on in the classroom. Number one, the parent is paying taxes for the schools, and the schools get a ton of money from taxes, real estate tax and everything else. But more importantly, in my world, the parent-child relationship is supposed to be sacrosanct. I'm going to level with you. I'm very proud to have been a federal agent no matter what the the imbeciles who think law enforcement is is the problem, that we're the enemy. I'm proud to have served America as an immigration agent. But what gives me greater pride is the fact that I was a parent, or I am a parent, to four amazing children. And now I have grandchildren. I thank God for all of them. I thank America for all of them. My mom came here as a 13-year-old ahead of the Holocaust. Her mother couldn't get out of Poland. She died in Poland. I was named for her, because that's what we do in the Jewish faith. We are named for those who predecease us. But if my mother couldn't come to America, couldn't get in, she would likely not have survived. I would not have been born. My children would not have been born, and my grandchildren would not have been born. So if you want to know what makes me tick, I'm not paid to do what I do. In fact, it costs me money to do what I do. I love America, warts and all. Is America perfect? Hell no. I don't know any people who are perfect, and at the end of the day, A country is not made up of mountain streams and and shopping malls, but people, but people. And if you look at America and compare it to the other countries of the world, I will tell you we have a lot to be proud of. Our enemies are thrilled at what we are doing. We are self-destructing, and I assure you that you could see their fingerprints all over it. When you have members of Congress getting money from foreign governments, when you have the president's son up to his eyeballs in drugs, hookers and money, um, something is really, really wrong here. It's about integrity. It's about standing up for Americans. It's about having a moral compass. 
People are very angry with politicians around the world, and who can blame them? We see this article about the president of Honduras, and you've got to wonder, why was he being prosecuted? The question that came to my mind, again, only a question. I'm not making any accusations because I know nothing about anything. Just a, I wonder if. I wonder if Juan Orlando Hernandez is being prosecuted because he didn't play ball with the right people. Just a question. Probably not the case, but you can't help but ask that question. With all the drugs pouring across our border, a tsunami of powder, who did he piss off so that he's now being prosecuted? It's an interesting question, something to ponder. But by the way, this morning there was another news report. Guess what? Now it's the premier of the British Virgin Islands who has been arrested and charged with smuggling drugs into the United States. It's an amazing pattern. <clears throat> Narcotics is corrupting governments around the world. Narcotics is killing people around the world. Narcotics is funding terrorism around the world. I was on a local radio program a couple days ago. Former Congressman Pete King was on, and it was the Cats at Night show. John Katsimatidis, who had run for governor, I'm sorry, for mayor, is the host of the program. And I, and I got to briefly chat with Pete. And I know Pete from his days in Congress, and it was um, Pete, who um, Peter King, who held that hearing where they talked about Hezbollah operating across Latin America with human traffickers and drug smugglers to flood America with narcotics and sleeper agents. And he said, I remember the hearing. He said, and you're right. So when you have a hearing like that in 2018, I believe it was, 2018 or 2019, and you have all this clear evidence, that Iranian terrorists are operating throughout Latin America just south of our border, and they're bringing people and dope into the United States. And we couldn't get the border secured the way it needs to be. Ask yourself, what is going on? What is wrong with these politicians? Are they that stupid or are they that corrupt? Because that's the only two possibilities that I see. When you see the allegations about how this former president of Honduras had corrupted his government, and then you see what is happening in America, you have to ask the question, is this a matter of corruption or stupidity or ideology because they hate America? They hate Americans. Maybe they're happy that children are dying of drug overdoses. Maybe they're happy there's violence in the streets because when you turn people loose after they've been arrested repeatedly for violent crimes, you know this is not going to have a happy ending. I used to argue bail for the U.S. attorneys. And bail is a very simple proposition. Bail is about two things. Risk of flight. If I let him go, is he going to show up in court? And danger to the community. If I release him, he's going to kill somebody. He's going to rape somebody. He's going to commit another violent crime. So when you have people who have track records of violence and you release them and they kill more people, you know this is going to happen. Why are you doing it? And why are they not being held accountable? If in the heat of the moment the police officer fires his or her gun and somebody dies, that cop is in for a world of problems. Probably going to be investigated eight ways from Sunday, may wind up being fired, may wind up being sued, may wind up being criminally prosecuted because one person died. And even if it's one person, it's not an only. Only does not go with the loss of a life. 
or the serious injury to a person. It's not an only. I want to be clear. But when you have an administration and when you have politicians whose actions lead to the deaths of tens of thousands of people and they're not held accountable, I want to know what the hell is going on. Why are they not accountable? If a doctor screws up in the operating room, that doctor could lose his or her license. That doctor could be prosecuted. And it was a mistake. Is it a mistake that Alejandro Mayorkas ordered petitions for visas approved, even when told that these visas should never be approved, there was no legal authority to approve them, and these people posed a threat? You see, the border is wide open. This isn't an accident. We know what's happening. They want to get rid of Title 42. Why? Where is the benefit for the average American? You would like to believe that every decision made by every politician who can fog a mirror, that every decision is made at least with the intentions of doing the best for the average American, for the average resident of the town, city, or state. I want someone to sell that to me, how what the administration is doing, how what sanctuary cities and sanctuary states are doing, is in the best interest of the American people. I'd like to see that argument. I'd like to debate that politician. When you give criminals driver's licenses, and they wind up committing acts of terror, that driver's license gives them the ability to move freely across the entire country. A New York driver's license, you could use it anywhere in the United States, including Hawaii, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, doesn't matter. That license is the key. You can get a car, you can do incredible damage. Why are we doing this? Why do we have supposed political leaders who are making decisions and taking actions that undermine national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of the average American worker? That's the question I want answered by every SOB that runs for office, and I don't care at what level, and I don't care what party affiliation they may have. Is that not a reasonable question? If you go to town hall meetings, that's the question you need to ask. Those decisions you're making, how is that good news for the average American? Period. Full stop. That is the question that Mayorkas needed to answer. Turning suspected or known terrorists loose in America? My gosh, it takes my breath away. I can't forget the politicians who after 9-11 pounded the podium. Why didn't they connect the dots? The dots have been connected. And it almost appears to me that this administration has picked up the 9-11 Commission report and the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel and studied it carefully and made the decision to go 180 degrees in the exact, precise, opposite direction from what the 9-11 Commission said we should and must be doing to protect America. Now, what I want to know is what story are they going to concoct if, God forbid, something goes kaboom tonight or tomorrow or next Thursday, because they are leaving us vulnerable to people who want to kill us. Russia keeps on escalating the rhetoric. Do you not believe that Russia has the potential to have already moved sleeper agents into the United States or Iran, China committing espionage at a scale that's breathtaking? And the work that President Trump did, and I'm not always in agreement with Donald Trump, I'm not one of those, but what he tried to do was certainly better than we've seen since perhaps the administration of Dwight Eisenhower or John F. Kennedy, period. And this administration has undone everything that he's done, including 
the Trump administration efforts to end espionage by China on a wholesale scale that, that blows my mind, should blow everybody's mind. So again, you have to ask, where's the benefit to the average American unless, unless pressure is being exerted because once you take money, they own you. A cop who takes money from the mob is owned by the mob. Once you take money, they've got you by the short hairs. And that's why I don't understand how someone like Congressman Swalwell can still be a member of Congress and still sit on the committees where he sits. Doesn't anyone understand what the word compromised mean? Apparently not. Washington is not a swamp. Let's be so clear. I'm so tired of people calling D.C. a swamp. Folks, swamps are natural. They're part of the environment. Critters live in the swamp. Washington is a cesspool. The cesspool is artificial. It smells terrible. And I promise you there's nothing good to be found in a cesspool. We the people need to stand up to this madness before something really horrific happens. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. We're living in an exceptionally dangerous era. And when you have an attorney general who refuses to enforce the immigration laws, even those laws, and I can tell you from personal experience, 30 years at it, give law enforcement incredible leverage to go after drug traffickers and terrorist groups and transnational gangs and they refuse to use those laws, I want to know what's going on behind the scenes. I want some justification as an American, because that government is supposed to work for us, not the other way around. And that's why when they talk about they want to make sure that there's no fake information out there, well, it seems as though every time most of these politicians open their mouths, that's what we're getting, fake information, disinformation, and misinformation. And I'm tired of the nonfeasance, misfeasance, and malfeasance by our very own government that should be looking out for us. Today, I worry not what our government is going to do for us, but what our government is going to do to us. That's why I always make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please, folks, check out my article at U.S. Incorporated. Check out the article that will be up on Monday at, at Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. If you like this program, please take the link and get it over to your friends. Post it on Facebook. Get the word out. I want you to be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. The truth will set us free, free from the tyranny that seems to be the objective of the current administration. This is the work all Americans can and must do. We need to sit down with our neighbors, and we need to look at each other, not as Democrats or Republicans or left or right. Folks, at the end of the day, we are all Americans, and that's what should unite all of us. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, be well, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long, everybody.